why don't you get your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 22. I have no idea why the Lord would so change my direction as he has this week. I had thought all week that I was going to speak in a certain direction and um, the Lord changed all that. I ought to know better. I ought to know well enough to know that when you really ask God to speak to you, He does. And when He speaks, a lot of times it upsets your little apple cart. It, it, it really sometimes rubs you the wrong way. So I weighed carefully today. Luke chapter 22, verse number 31. Most of you who have been around church have heard this verse. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. I want to read that from the message translation. A little more liberal, but it gives a slant and even a nuance of the verse that sometimes we miss. But it reads like this. Simon, stay on your toes. Satan has tried his best to separate all of you from me. All of you, all of me from him. He's not interested in getting all of me if he can get part of me. And so Jesus, speaking to his disciples, said he has tried his best to separate all of you from me like chaff from wheat. Romans chapter 7 and verse number 15, and I am going to read again from the, uh, from the message translation um, for emphasis only. Verse 15 of Romans 7. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way and then I act another doing things I absolutely despise. Verse 16. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. Verse 17. But I need something more, for if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions... I obviously need help. Verse 18, he said, I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. Verse 19, I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. Verse 20, my decisions, such as they are, don't result in action. Sometimes something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. Verse 21, it happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to grip me or trip me up. 
22. I truly delight in God's command. Verse 23. This is where I want to focus your attention. He said, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Now I want you to catch the connection. Verse 22. I truly delight in God's command, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me Say that with me. Not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything. Verse 24, nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? Verse 25, the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does help me. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. My subject this morning is all of me. Say that with me. All of me. Say it again. All of me. The only way you're going to get to heaven is for that to be true, that he has all of you. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I realize this morning that my subject is simple, and yet my job is so difficult. All of me sounds so simplistic that who would choose it as a subject for their sermon. The difficulty in life is to always get us to see ourselves, the real me, not the person that I want people to think I am, or not even the person that I project myself to be, And not even the person that I work so hard to always showcase, but the real me. The me in the shadows, the me in the dark places of life. That's the one God wants. The unvarnished me. You know, all of us, I'll have to commend you this morning. All of you look so good. And if you had a difficult time as I did to make yourself look good, you ought to give yourself a hand. You know, you can't improve ugly. And uh, it doesn't matter how you dress it up. But when you don't have a lot to start with, we do a lot to make ourselves look presentable. When you first got up this morning, you probably weren't a lot different than I was. My hair was every which way. Can you imagine that? I had bad breath. I had sleep in my eyes. I had real bad bags under my eyes then. They're still there, but they're not as bad as they were then. But I sure did what I could to try to wipe all that off because I didn't want to bring that man to church. 
I don't think there's anything wrong in that. I think all of us should put our best foot forward. I think all of us should work hard to present the good you. But sometimes in life we're tempted to take that man into the spirit world. And we are tempted to try to be something perhaps that we're not. God wants the real me. He wants the unvarnished, the uncovered me. And he wants all of me. He wants all of me. I don't know where it begins, but somewhere in life there comes this parceling out of life where we give so much energy here and so much there and we make sure that we get all the things done. And somehow in life it carries over in the spirit. We sometimes operate that way with God. God said all and we say some. God said everything and we say almost. God says all together and we say almost. 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 One of the hardest things that Jesus ever did was try to get Peter to see himself as he really was. The scene you're aware of, they were discussing who was greatest, arguing over about who was going to be where in the kingdom. The Lord was trying to teach them other things, and he was trying to get a message through to them that the kingdom is not about you, it's about me. And then he started this conversation with Peter. Simon, Satan hath desired to have you. And I want to go back and read what he said. He has tried his best to separate all of you from me. And Peter, just like me, no, 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 God, you, 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 you misinterpret. You, you don't understand me. Peter said, I, I'm going to go with you to prison or even death. And Jesus is all the while shaking his head and saying, no, Peter, before this night is over, you're going to have denied that you even know me. The reality was that Peter could not see himself. I was studying a while back and I discovered, I don't know, you already knew this probably, but every human being has a blind spot. Literally, in your vision, every human being has a blind spot. We don't notice it because our body and our eyes make up for it. But if you're put in certain situations, in certain conditions, that blind spot is going to be exposed. And so it is in the spirit realm. None of us are without our faults. And Jesus makes a powerful statement to Peter about all of this situation that God began to talk to me about. Beyond his boasting, and beyond his proud statements of what he was going to do and what he wouldn't do, Jesus simply waded through it and said, Now, Simon, 
This is going to happen. And when you are converted. Now that word converted, is, it's a powerful word. But it's not the word that we equate with it. It's not speaking of conversion in the sense that we think of conversion of repentance and baptism and Holy Ghost. But the word literally means when you turn toward, when you turn back, when you get out there and you finally realize what I've said about you is true and you see yourself and you decide it's time to come back, I just want you to know that there's prayers that have been prayed That when that happens, your faith is going to be strong enough to see you back to where you need to go. Because God's not willing that any of us should perish. God doesn't expose a weakness in my life so that he can embarrass me. But he exposes that weakness so that I will turn from that and I will turn toward him. And I will truly surrender all to him. Everybody say all. Stay with me for a few moments. Not deep, very simple, but very difficult. I was reminded when I read these verses of the story in the 15th century of Ivan the Great. Ivan the Great was the czar of Russia at that time, and he had brought together all of the warring factions in that vast empire that we know as the Soviet Union. And as a fighting man, he was one of the most courageous there was. He was a general. He was brilliant in his thinking. And out of his battle strategy, he was been able to drive out the Tars and the established peace and and a unity across the nation that they had not known. However, he had been so busy in his war and waging of war that he had forgotten about a family. He had never taken time to take a wife, and he had never thought about having children. And those who were around him, his advisors and friends, they became quite concerned because they reminded him, Sir, there's no heir to the throne, and it doesn't matter What you've accomplished, if there's no heir to carry this on, what are we going to do? And so he said, you've got to take a wife to bear children so that we can continue this legacy. But as a busy soldier and statesman, it was impossible for him to stop and take the time to search out a wife. And so he said, I'll tell you what, I want you to go out through all of Europe, and I want you to find me a wife. And whoever you find, I will marry her. And so they went out throughout all of Europe, and they searched until finally they found what they thought was the perfect wife. She was the daughter of the king of Greece. And they brought back news to him that she was young, she was brilliant, she was charming, And he agreed to marry her sight unseen. The king of Greece was delighted because it would align Greece with a favorable ally and give him strength to fight in his own battles. But there was one condition that he set down for this marriage that was unbreakable. 
you cannot marry my daughter unless you become a member of the Greek Orthodox Church. And to become a member of the Greek Orthodox Church, you have to be baptized. And so he said, I will. I I will be baptized. And so they sent a priest to Moscow to instruct him on the doctrines of the Orthodox Church and to go through all the catechisms. And he was a quick learner. didn't take him long to figure it out and come into agreement. And so the arrangements were concluded and the Tsar made his way to Athens to be baptized and then be joined in marriage with this woman. But he had some very loyal soldiers, 500 of them, that said, where you go, we're going. And so... These 500 men said, we're going with you, Tsar. And if you're going to be baptized, then we're going to be baptized as well. And so when news came to Athens that they all wanted to be baptized, there was a dilemma. So they dispatched 500 priests to go to these soldiers and go through the catechism and teach them the reason and all of the protocol of the church And they too would come to baptism with their czar. And so the day came. They all came to the Mediterranean Sea. They waited out. And about the time they were about to baptize them, somebody realized that it was not a custom. It was not prohibit. It was prohibitable for a professional soldier bearing arms to be a member of that church they would have to give up their commitment to bloodshed if they were going to be baptized. Well, these were hardened soldiers, and so they were killers, and they were warriors, and they could not see themselves giving that up, and so there was a problem. The baptism was halted until discussion came, and finally it was solved. And so it was that they brought them back to the water, And they went out into the ocean, and all in harmony, the priests said their words, and they got ready to baptize them by immersion. And just as they started to take them down, all 500 soldiers reached and drew their sword and held their sword out of the arm, out of the water, as their bodies were being baptized, saying, you can have everything but this. You can have all of me but this. You see, God does want all of me. And today I'm just wondering how many of us have an unbaptized arm in our life. I wonder how many today have an unbaptized temper. God's got all of you but your temper. Brother Hughes, it's just my personality. You need to get your personality under the blood. You need to get it under the water. Because God wants all of you, and he wants to convert all of you. (laughs) He wants the whole being. He doesn't want just that part of you. And you know what? The devil will do the same thing with you that he did with Simon Peter. He's going to separate all of you from him. 
And if he can just get a part of you, he's satisfied with just having that little window. As long as there is that window that causes me trouble, he is perfectly satisfied. He doesn't care how many times I come to church. He doesn't care how many times I sing the song. He doesn't care how many times I stand on my feet and clap my hand. All he wants to make sure of is that arm never gets under the water. Because when that arm goes under, that means he has all of you. Maybe that unbaptized arm is a tongue. Oh, God forbid. Am I messing up somebody's play out? You see, that's what the Lord talks to me about. Maybe it's my tongue. The most unruly member of my body. I can do anything with any other part of my body, but I just cannot keep myself from saying some things. You know what I believe? I believe some people need to just come and lay their tongue on the altar and say, God, here, this is the rest of me. This is what's sabotaging my peace. This is what's destroying my home. This is what's destroying my peace. This is what's destroying my hope. This is what's tearing down everything I try to build up. I tear it down with my word. I come back with something that tears apart what God said to put together. Is there a desire somewhere lurking in the hidden part of my life that I'm just not willing to part with yet? Is there a part of my life that I just, I, I, I have a hard time yielding to him? Maybe an ambition. What part, I, I, I wanted to ask this, what part of separation do I struggle with in my living for God? Well, I don't understand that. You know what? I don't understand a lot of things about life, but I still submit to it. Because it's better to submit to life than to fight life. And it's better to say yes to God than it is to argue with God. Because I've never won an argument with God. I never have. My arms are, as Brother Tenney said, my arms are too short to box with God. And yet how many times do I look around at my life and I'm trying to figure out what, what's wrong with me? Why am I going in this circle? Why? Is my life like the trip around Mount Sinai? I'm just hooked up in this cycle and I do good for a while and then this, this other guy shows up. And, and then I get him down and, and I do good for another while and then he shows back up. What's wrong? I'll tell you what I think might be wrong. There's an arm that needs to be drugged under the water and said, you know what, God? I'm going to let you have all of me. My mind, my temper, my tongue, my desire, my wallet, my ambitions, my hopes, my dreams, my everything. What is it, what part of me that needs to be converted? What part of me is there that needs to have a turnaround in it today? What part of me is ruining my future? I, I, I don't, don't, I'm preaching to everybody. I don't know who, who I'm talking to this morning. I, I didn't come with an agenda. I don't even know exactly why the Lord pointed me this direction, but I know he did. I know he did. And I, 
I know what I feel in my spirit right now, and I know what there is in the spirit world, that struggle that goes on when you're trying to deliver a message and that and something keeps knocking that hand down. Say, no, that he's not talking to you. Yes, he's talking to me. He's trying to reach out to me. He's trying to get my attention and say, hey, wake up and look at yourself and make sure that all of you is still in his hands. All of you. What is it in my life that's ruining, ruining life that needs to be converted? Where is it that I need a change of thinking? Ah, where is it that I need a change of attitude? Whew, man, I didn't mean to wade off into this, but I'm here. What, what, where is it that I, I need to work on? I, I need a conversion. I need to turn toward him. You see, here's the problem with so many of our little idiosyncrasies and our personalities and, and the little things that, that, that make us who we are. We sometimes use them as excuses for not really selling out to God. But what I really need to do is just turn it toward Him because He's the only one that knows how to deal with my personality. And He's the only one that knows how to help me get my personality under control. He's the only one that knows how to bring me down down on my knees and make me submit myself and so instead of fighting it I need to turn toward him I need to turn that anger I need to turn my tongue I need to turn my thinking I need to turn my attitude I need to turn my desire I need to turn my longing I need to turn it toward him and say God you've got to help me I need to get this arm under the water with the rest of me oh. I don't know where it happened. I don't even know exactly how it happened. But somehow in my mind, this is how I think it played out. Somewhere out there in the darkness of that night, when things had gone so terribly wrong, and Simon Peter is wrestling with himself, trying to figure out, how did I get here? What in the world have I done? And all of a sudden, he saw that arm. That's it. That's it. And he reaches up and he said, no, you're not going to destroy me. You're not going to ruin my future. You're not going to ruin the promises God has made to me. You're not going to make God out to be a liar. He said there's a better day. And somewhere in the darkness, Peter reaches up and he pulls that arm under the water. And he said, God, you can have all of me. Because that's the only way it really works is for you to have every bit of me, every inch of my life, every quarter of my being, every part of my mind, every area of my desire, every point of my life. Bring it <sighs> Maybe I'm just preaching to myself this morning, but somehow I feel like there's something I need to get back under the blood. I need to get it back under the water. 
something that's kind of crept back up in my life. I didn't have problems with it for a long time, but all of a sudden it's resurfaced. Here it is again. I'm staring it in the face today. I didn't think I'd ever have to deal with this again. It doesn't matter. What you need to do is just reach up and grab it and pull it back down and say, no, sir, you're not going to destroy my life. You're not going to take me away from God. You're not going to make my life become reprobate. You're not going to ruin my future. You're not ruining my hope. God has made promises to me that I intend to see come to pass. It's coming under. It's coming under. I'm going to put it under. I'm going to pull it under. I'm going to keep it under. I'm going to turn to Him. I'm going to keep turning to Him. I'm going to keep running to Him because He's the only hope that I have. He's the only remedy. He's the only way I'm ever going to get out of this thing the way I need to get out. Come on, lift your hands to Him right now. Come on, lift it all of me. He just wants all of me, all of me, all of me, every bit, every secret part, every chamber, every part of me that sabotages my future, every part of me that sabotages my relationships, every part of me that sabotages my happiness, every part of me that sabotages my peace, He wants all. Hallelujah. Mm. pastor told me the truth when he said son if you try to live easy for God it's going to be the hardest thing you ever do but if you'll live hard after God it'll be the easiest thing you ever do just say yes just put all of you on the altar not just the part you want him to have you see, I think part of the, you, you can be seated for just a moment. I'm, I'm through. I think part of us are afraid that there's a dark side of us that God would be embarrassed with. He, 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 would, be, he would be shamed to know that I acted that way. But I never see one time knowing everything he knew about Simon Peter I never see one time him turning away from Simon and saying, Oh, Simon, I'm ashamed of you. No. Because grace is never afraid of your darkest secrets. Grace is not afraid of my darkest secrets. It's not afraid of the ugliest parts of my life. Grace is sufficient to cover all of that. He said, Where sin doth abound, Where sin flourishes, grace doth much more abound. I I really wanted to preach about the river that flows, and I'll just give you one part of it. What amazed me about Ezekiel 47 is the Bible says that the river that started 
at the temple and flowed out the east gate, flew down into the desert, and it went into the Dead Sea. I thought, God, that's a waste. Good, pure water going into a Dead Sea. But the promise of God was, and it shall heal that land, that water. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. That whatever is wrong in my life, whatever is wrong in my heart, whatever is dead in me, the power of His Spirit can bring life back to it. And it doesn't matter how long it's been dead. The Dead Sea is so dead that there's not even a living creature in it. But He said there's going to be a time when the river's going to flow and it's going to reach down and flow into that Dead Sea and it's going to live again, and fish are going to be there, and men are going to stand on the bank of that sea, and they're going to catch fish where there used to be nothing but deadness. That's the power of the Holy Ghost, and that's the power of God's grace. It's not how dark my sin is. It's how great His grace is, because His grace is greater than all my sin. His grace is greater than all of the dark places of my So I don't have to be afraid to bring that part of me to Him. I can be embarrassed and I can be shamed, but I don't ever have to be afraid of bringing that part of me and saying, God, this this is the guy that's been troubling me. This is the guy that's been hurting me. This is the guy that's been messing up my family, messing up my joy, messing up my peace. Come on, let's lift our hands and stand to our feet. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost, we need you right now. Oh, Holy Ghost, we need you right now. Oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Uh, If you're struggling with something this morning, why don't you just bring it to the altar? If you're struggling with something today in your your heart, your home, your spirit, your life, why don't you just bring it to the altar today? Why don't you say, Lord, I I don't know, I, I, I don't think that I'm that way, but if I am, here I am again saying all of me. I want you to have all of me. Not just a part. I want all of me. I want to be all yours. All of me. All of me. All of me. All of me. Come on. Let the Holy Ghost move. Let the Holy Ghost move. Let the Holy Ghost move.